0: Welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. This podcast explores what it means to make life less difficult for each other and for ourselves. We share stories of struggles and successes because we believe sharing our stories eases the difficulty of life. I'm Lisa Tilstra, your host. Let's jump into today's conversation. My guest today is Dr. Margareta Scholand. Margareta is the Founder and Chief Psychologist of EQ Europe and Candidata Asia. She is an internationally recognized expert and pioneer in the field of emotional intelligence and has worked with many organizations in the United States, Europe, and across Asia. Margareta is a licensed psychologist in Sweden with her PhD in psychology from the University of Illinois in Chicago. Margareta lived and worked more than 20 years in the U.S. as a psychologist, chief recruiter, and HR consultant. She is a regular speaker on the topic of emotional intelligence in Asia, Europe, and beyond. I first met Margareta 10 years ago when I moved to the Philippines. I had the privilege of learning from her and partnering with her company for many projects, helping organizations build their leaders' emotional intelligence. In keeping with the theme of this podcast and my work, when I think back on those early years as an expat, working to establish myself as a coach, build my business, connecting with Margarita and her late husband, pair, made that time in life less difficult. I feel deeply grateful. I am also grateful to be able to share this conversation with you today. Thank you, Margareta, for continuing to share your knowledge, wisdom, and experience. And thank you for inspiring us to keep making a difference in our world, developing our emotional intelligence skills, and building a strong and bright future. Margareta, welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast.
1: Thank you. It's a delight to be here.
0: This is such a treat. And, you know, you and I connected. It's been almost 10 years since I first moved to the Philippines and we first got connected through the work of emotional intelligence. And as I have been thinking about having this conversation with you, I feel a deep sense of gratitude because my connection with you, the work with emotional intelligence and your companies truly made my life less difficult during those first few years of trying to figure out my life as a trailing spouse and an expat in, in the international space. So, so thank you for making my life less difficult. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, Margareta, as I have developed this work, it's come from a quote by Marianne Evans. What do we live for if not to make life less difficult for each other? And I'd just like to ask my guests, when you hear that quote, you hear about this idea of making life less difficult. What
1: what does that mean to you? Well, it really has for me two parts. And the first part is what makes your life uh, better. Mm. And so I started to think about my own life, you know, what makes me happy, what's important for me, what's, you know, what makes it meaningful. But then, you know, I I sort of continue reading the sentence and making life less difficult for other people. So that then took sort of, you know, precedence that that's really what it's all about. How do you make life less difficult for other people you know and also that is a way of making yourself your own life more meaningful Mm. and it really for me resonates then with self-awareness you know knowing yourself knowing your own reactions knowing how you what you know influence other people what other people hear and see and feel when they communicate with you so from having sort of focused on the first part of the sentence in terms of what makes my life better, I really sort of connected the two that in making life less difficult for other people, that's what makes my life better and meaningful. And, you know, that for me is emotional intelligence yes because emotional intelligence really you know at the heart of it is knowing yourself and your feelings and being able to know other people's and their feelings and sort of accommodate your own behavior and reactions so that it resonates with the other person or the other people Mm. So, so that's how I, I read the sentence. It, it was interesting for me in that it has these two parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I resonate with so much of what you shared. When I first
0: heard the quote, It I, I think I was first attracted to the, to the each other part, making life less mm. simple for each other. And that tends to come pretty naturally for me. Mm. And then for me, I kind of came back to my own life and realize that I, I actually make my life more difficult <laughs> at times than it needs to be. Yeah. And, you know, coming back to the emotional intelligence, which I really want to, um, you know, explore with you, it is that self-awareness, recognizing, okay, there's, there's choices that I can make that can make my life less difficult, which in turn allows me to be more present with yes. others. yes. And so it's a, it's a reciprocal. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I want to dig into emotional intelligence because this is mm-hmm. where you and I first got connected. This has really been a life work for you. Yes. And, and maybe it's best to start off with asking you to, um, to share a little bit more about what it is. I, I, I find that people know the term emotional intelligence although in some places around the world, they still have not heard the term. I was recently in Nepal and shared, mm-hmm. I did a small workshop on emotional intelligence and some people had not heard the term yet. So there's are some parts of the world where it, it is still new, but in many parts of the world, people understand the term mm-hmm. and sort of get it, mm-hmm. but it's very difficult to really define. So. How do you put a definition to it and
1: help make it more tangible for people? Well, let me just sort of go back to the the term emotional intelligence that most people today um, think they understand. They know what it is, so to speak. But what I meet at, you know, we work with companies and organizations and I frequently hear people say, oh, emotional intelligence. Well, we, we have that. We work with that. Mm. But what they mean is really mission statements and vision statements. Mm. And it was exemplified not too long ago at a big bank i was in a it was a meeting of leaders and on the wall they had this beautiful poster with their you know statements how they were to treat each other with respect you know, and, and um, understanding and compassion. They had those words on the wall and it was quite a heated discussion. And one of the, the managers stood up and he said, is this what you call respect? And then he walked out of the room. Wow. So I, I have come to believe that a lot of organizations and people, they think by having these words on the wall they think they've done the job uh, yeah but respect might be you know something that everybody will of course uh, you know accept and say yes we need to treat each other with respect but the many organizations are far from walking the talk mm. you know in everyday interactions they do not treat each other with respect and that has enormous consequences and particularly here in Scandinavia, we see uh, you know the, the sick rate, the burnout, uh, uh, you know, has skyrocketed, mm-hmm. and more than fifty percent of the diagnoses are social emotion, social you know, um, psychiatric problems wow. and social problems. Yeah. So I think a lot of these. Uh, sick leaves that people feel so so stressed out and so burnt out has to do with lack of emotional intelligence in the way people interact with each other and it's a challenge for us uh, you know when when we we, we come into a company and we talk about emotional intelligence they oh we already have that we already do that look at the wall you know Mm. these look at this beautiful poster here with the words we already do that Mm. but they don't walk the talk. They don't know how to do that. Yeah. I have so
0: many situations coming to mind that that are exactly (laughs) what you're describing. It It feels a little depressing when I think about it, right? And so, I mean, the question that comes up for me is... What how do we how do we take it from words on the wall? Because the words on the wall are good, right? Respect yes. and compassion yes. and um inclusion, right? Diversity and inclusion yes. is a big part of yes. the conversation today and an important part, but like how how do you find practically we take it from the words on the wall to
1: actually integrated into the relationships and the conversations? I think that we need to rely on science and scientific evidence. And especially, I mean, if we worked now for the last year or so with a lot of really heavy construction industry, Hmm. tough guys. Uh, where you think that emotional intelligence doesn't come naturally to them. But what we have done uh, from the beginning is really to anchor it in science in terms of us as physiological beings, you know, how our brains work, Uh, talking about feelings as part of our, you know, the way we are wired, the way the way our brains are wired, and that this is us as human beings. It's, it doesn't have with nationality. It doesn't have to do with education or what field you work in. We're all sort of wired the same way, and just as you cannot leave an arm at home when you go to work, you cannot. Leave your feelings at home when you when you go to work because they're part of you. Mm. So that's that's the foundation, you know, giving them a sense that you cannot run away from this. You have to face up to it. Mm-hmm. And from there on, we take the words "respect," for example, and we translate that into what we call EQ skills. You know what? How do you behave? What do you say? What do you need to do to show respect for another person? Mm. And it might be, you know, the ability to listen. Uh, it might be the ability to um, show appreciation for another person and to express that in words. And we practice these skills you know, in a very sort of um, down to earth fashion, but also connecting it, connecting it to science, to studies. Studies show that. Mm -hmm. Studies show that leadership, um, you know, excellence to up to 80% depends on EQ, just a small part is IQ or actual, you know, knowledge or training. Mm. So we connected to evidence-based studies like that. And it's, you know, it's, our methods also are very much based in psychotherapy. You know, I'm a psycho, I've worked as a psychotherapist for many, many years. Mm. So it's, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, but also psychodynamic theory in terms of behavior change how do you change people's behavior Mm. and we are finding that step by step people are able to change their behaviors when they start to see the benefits of that Mm. if they know you know what you need to do what you need to say how you need to come across for another person to see you as respectful you know, and you practice that, it makes the other person feel, you know, seen and heard. And that's going to have an effect on that person's motivation and productivity. Yes. So th- that person will perform better, which makes, you know, the the company, if you have thousands of people performing better, it's going to have an effect on the, you know, on the profitability of the company.
0: Yeah.
1: And step by step, we are showing that this works and we do it also by you know, measurements you know quantitative analysis of our work in that we measure before we start a program and we measure after the program and we use different kinds of assessments uh, to see the change and we do see the change mm. so it's It's fascinating work. It really is. And, you know, it works. I mean, cultures are different you have to sort of tweak it a bit differently for different cultures. But basically, human nature, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. We're all the same. Mm -hmm. What makes you feel good is most likely what makes me feel good as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, um, I mean, I've learned this over the years and by working in so many different countries, you know, as have you. And, um, you know, today I'm even more passionate and even more convinced about the power of emotional intelligence.
0: Yeah. I would
1: love to hear
0: when you go back earlier in your career, where were you first introduced to emotional intelligence? Because it's not that Old of a concept, like it's a fairly young concept. Um, it is in the leadership and, and management realm. So, for you and your journey, um, where did you first come in contact with emotional intelligence?
1: Well, I remember it so distinctly because I was sitting at my kitchen table in in Connecticut, where I lived at the time, and I, I was reading the the New York Times, mm-hmm. and there was an article written by um, Daniel Goldman on emotional intelligence, and <clears throat> it. Describe. it was nothing new as such you know I, I mean I'm a psychologist that worked for so many years so there was nothing new as such but the sort of the term was new the packaging of it was new and also the scientific evidence in terms of you know research on the brain that backed it up was new mm. so it's that it really hit the chord with me, and and shortly thereafter there was a conference, the first conference on emotional intelligence in Boston that I went to, wow. and I met um, Reuven on who uh, is a professor today at the um, uh, in uh, in um, Mexico. No, not in Mexico, in Arizona, in Arizona, and he had done a lot of research on. Um, emotions and also with the question that iq is important and we used to think that having an iq was the road to success but more and more you know the people have observed that iq was not enough there was something else and what was this something else and this goes back almost 100 years in time you know to social intelligence and it has it has different people have looked at this something else mm. but uh, reuven started to see that feelings have something to do with it mm. and he he did a lot of research on emotions and also um, started to, to 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 started the question can we we can measure iq can we also measure emotional intelligence mm. and they Point the word eq which really means you know emotional quotient and which is a measurement whereas ei emotional intelligence is the concept the understanding of what it is mm. but he developed this tool uh, the emotional quotient inventory that was introduced at this conference oh, wow! so i became part of this and and also i i got to know the multi-health system and steven stein who helped Reuben ruben to commercialize Specialize this tool. And, you know, I learned more and more. And when I moved back to Sweden in 98, I had the the rights to distribute the EQI. So we started to work with it in Europe, in Sweden first, and then in other countries, and then eventually in Asia. And today, you know, we have the companies EQ Europe in Europe and and Candidata Asia based in Singapore. So when you first brought the instrument the tool the
0: concepts back to to europe in sweden and then in, in other
1: countries there what
0: what was the reception like at that point in time
1: i mean it was perceived as something new and and some people felt that it was just another fad Mm. That, you know, fads come and go, it's situational leadership and it's transactional leadership and transformational leadership, you know, and, 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 and seven habits and, mm-hmm. you know, all those things, they sort of come and go. Uh, so, so some people said it's, it's going to blow over, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it raised a lot of uh, interest. And I was, you know, interviewed on TV and, uh, you know, I was you know, in these morning programs and there was lots of articles in the in the papers and companies contacted us so um, there was a that was the start of it and i was i would say that it was received with great curiosity but also skepticism Mm. and i think that you know i mean this is now 25 years later and it's 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 such a valid concept that is used all over the world so uh So um, it is, uh, you know, the the people are familiar with it now. But again, there's still a long way to go in really truly understanding what it's about and practicing it. And practicing it. Yeah, Yeah. the practicing part, especially.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes. Yes. Even in my own life, right? As, you know, I know a lot theoretically and, you know, can teach the concepts and have to really hold myself accountable to using and practicing Mm -hmm. the skills.
1: (laughs) I know, Lisa, I know. No, it's a life's journey, it's a journey for life. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect, mm-hmm. you know, but the awareness, I think you you carry the awareness with you, even if your amygdala at times, you know, reacts very quickly and impulsively, and you say, oh, you know, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> at least you know. <laughs> right,
0: right. Yeah. Just that awareness that I shouldn't have said that is progress. Yes. It's a step in yes. the right direction. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And for myself, I must say, though, that I have become a, a better at saying, let's not have that conversation now. Mm. Let's sleep on it for a while. I, just the other day, I had such a situation, actually. I said to the other "But let's not have this discussion now. Because I was so you know upset that I knew I might not be able to really <laughs> control what I was saying. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and yeah. you know, yeah. And we we brought it up, you know, this issue the next day, and we really had, you know, a decent conversation about it and managed to get a resolution. Mm.
0: I I love that you shared that, Margareta, because mm. that that is such a practical example of yes. emotional intelligence in action. And mm. it's a relational skill. And so many times, I mean, I can just, I can think of countless times that I didn't stop myself right in yeah. that time. And to, to recognize, Hey, right now I'm feeling my emotions get really strong, get the best of me. And to have that awareness to say, if I continue in this conversation, I'm going to say things that I regret, you probably regret and and they're not yeah. going to help anybody. No, So let's, Let's pause. Yes. Let's sleep on it. And it, and it's such you know it's a seemingly
1: small thing to do, and yet mm. it can be
0: such a huge impact.
1: Yes, a huge impact. I mean, this situation that I referred to the other day really had a huge impact. Mm. Yeah because none of us were ready at the time it was really good for both of us to sleep on this mm. yes mm-hmm. and we reached a compromise and you know next day and it was fine yeah. and i know that we were so upset both of us that it, we could have said things that really you know could have created a great rift between us
0: mm.
1: that might have been you know not that easy to mend actually yes yes
0: you know and i think the um the skill there of really pausing just say, hey, yeah. let's pause. Yes. Um, can be beneficial in so many situations. Yes. Even sometimes if I'm just by myself. Yes. Yes. Telling myself, just pause. <laughs> just, yes. Um, I think there's, yeah, there's so, and again, it's it's a relatively small, simple step, but a very practical application of I'm aware that these emotions are getting stronger. And now let me do something. And depending on, sometimes it can just be a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. that I just need to step away for a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be overnight, sometimes a
1: couple of days for me, (laughs) depending on the intensity. Yes, absolutely. I think most of us, you know, are in situations like then, you know, off and on. And also to, you know, to have the self-awareness to say, hey, now this is getting the better of me. I better pause. Mm -hmm. But then also to use that, that maybe, maybe breathing, Mm -hmm. you know, learning to do some, some exit breathing exercises very consciously. Because you know that, you know, this breathing, if I, if I breathe now deeply for a few minutes, it's going to help calm me. Mm -hmm. So you do that very very consciously and yes it does help it does anchor you it does help so it's very concrete steps that you can do in terms of you know controlling your 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 emotions handling your emotions and the effect it has on you but also the effect it, it has on the other person
0: yeah the other piece that i am really i think there's a there's two sides of the coin on one hand i'm really glad to hear you sharing and it gives me hope. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh, you know, you're a few years ahead of me in life and experience. Maybe I'll never, you know, get to this because sometimes I want to get to the point where I just, I, my emotions don't get the best of me, right? I can always kind of keep them under control. And yet, part of what I'm hearing in your story is, even though, and you have been working intentionally in the field of emotional intelligence <laughs> and personal development for for decades, and yet you even have moments where your emotions just get so strong. And and so, in some ways, again, it's comforting. In other ways, I'm like okay this is a lifelong journey right <laughs> <laughs> Yes. um but but i think that's I, i'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that like the emotional intelli- like developing those emotional intelligence skills isn't to um prevent the emotions from becoming strong it's a re- it, it's figuring out how to
1: manage and respond to and them you, yes absolutely and i also think there is a difference you can you can you can teach yourself the difference between professional life and Personal life. Mm, say more about that, because in you know, professionally at work, uh, I mean, we all expect to behave a certain way, and absolutely, we need to to use our emotional intelligence. We know that we're going to be more successful if we use emotional intelligence uh, at work, absolutely. But at home and in your private life, you might want to sort of be just even more open and Mm -hmm. reflective and connected to the people and you have you know strong emotional connections to to the people around you so the relationships are much more loaded more intense Mm -hmm. and I mean you want to be yourself with your people that are close to you you don't want to sort of you know think about how you act or what you say or do that in a conscious way you just want to be yes and and you want your feelings To, you know, come out, you you do want to have all these feelings of love and anger and, you know, compassion and and so on. And with that, you're also going to make some mistakes in terms of sometimes, you know, your feelings getting the better of you Mm -hmm. and, you know, to learn how to handle that. Yeah. So I I myself I uh, you know I, I I I I there's a difference for me in terms of emotional intelligence at work with my colleagues and so on and with people that are really close to me.
0: I am really glad you brought that up and I have had multiple conversations around this where just recently some some younger leaders have been questioning about it because there's a real pull towards authenticity and yes. the way that you know people are saying, well, if I'm authentic, I should be able to show up the same in work life and personal life and I I'm not sure how best to describe I mean i've I've wrestled with that over my my life too and and I'm I'm more comfortable at this point in time saying, you know what nope I people at work don't want me to show up completely authentic <laughs> yes sometimes yes. But how can you how can you I don't think I don't think it's not being authentic no. right? like there's a that's not necessarily the right term. like how would you describe it when you are like you you do show up different at work and it and it doesn't mean you're not being authentic
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely. authenticity is that's the sort of the core absolutely. I mean it's so vital for leaders to be authentic definitely but you know the situations at work most of the time are different the relationships are different and the intensity of the relationships are different Mm -hmm. than with your spouse, you know, or with your kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that you're less authentic at work, but it's just a different, it's a different uh, scenario, different world. Mm -hmm. And I don't think at work, I mean, we, and and it still means that you can be uh, personal, you know, and show your feelings. Absolutely. But not, The intensity is different and the situations are different. Mm -hmm. And you need to be more sort of aware than at home. And that has to do, you know, that's a skill, that's an EQ skill that's called flexibility Mm -hmm. and adaptability, Mm -hmm. that you adapt your behavior to the situation, which means that you are behaving somewhat differently at work than you do at home Mm -hmm. in order to be effective.
0: Yeah, because the outcome. It's kind of like what what's the necessary outcome? Yes, and what's it gonna what what sort of behavior is going to move me towards that outcome? Yes, yeah, I I appreciate the the word intensity that you you know that that relationships are a different intensity in our personal life Mm -hmm. with spouses, partners, family Mm. members, um, even close friends versus our work life, our professional life. Um I think that's a that's a helpful word to just say yeah there is a
1: different intensity yes. there. Yeah. And it it's not often lack of authenticity, Mm-mm. but but intensity and the quality of the relationship, you know, need to be different. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, that's that's a skill to be able to adapt to different situations. And it's like, I mean, even at work, a work day, it's like you're in an elevator and, you know, on each floor, there's a different situation waiting for you. Mm. It's a team meeting on one floor. On the next, maybe you're giving a presentation to an audience, uh, on the third floor you're having lunch with your your colleagues i mean in all these situations require a flexibility and adaptability and you know, and and, and behavior change. Mm. And then when you go home at night, I mean, if you come home and you start talking as if you're giving a presentation to, a, <laughs> to an audience, I mean, that would be very, very odd. <sighs> so you need to adapt to them to the, you know, to your home situation. Yeah. So it's it's really a it's it's a skill. It's an EQ skill. Yeah, mm-hmm. that flexibility, that adaptability. Yes. And yes. I love
0: the the analogy of the elevator and getting off at different floors and there's different situations. Um, and and I think about different relationships in my life, different jobs that I do. Um yes. each one requires a little bit different approach mm-hmm. and behavior. I would be curious, Margareta, to ask you one of the things that I have really been thinking about a lot over the last couple of years is insecurity and noticing insecurity in myself. And and I think where it really first became evident for me is noticing if I saw someone doing something or being successful at something and I felt jealousy. And, And I would think like, they're no better than me why are they getting you know the success or this and that and in my own journey of development i've really come to realize that's insecurity in me when i see somebody and i feel jealous of them and then um, like so what can i do to just say hey you know what how can i compliment them right and and i i feel like we need so much in our world for leaders colleagues just human to human to learn how to build each other up, yes. affirm one another, compliment one another, rather than tear each other down. I mean, there's so much negativity and um, tearing things down, uh, you know, tearing each other down. And I'm wondering how, this, how you see this connecting to emotional intelligence. What skills um, can we work on building um, in organizations and um, societies and I don't know if there's a better word that you would describe it to me. I keep coming back to like there's there's an insecurity, there's a deep seated
1: insecurity in people. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a originally a child psychologist. That's how I was trained, and I worked with children and families for many years before I where as my own children were growing up i felt i wasn't connected to childhood the same ways so i worked more and more with adults but my background is as is, is, is as a child psychologist and you know i often get this question and i think it's a valid question that is that you know why don't we start in you know childhood emotional intelligence starts in yeah. the way we bring up our children yes so just to give children a feeling vocabulary is something that parents can do if you are aware of it. Mm. But absolutely, I think insecurity is connected to the way we were brought up as children. Mm. And then, you know, throughout our journey uh, uh, through life. And if you have a you know, if you if you're given these skills in childhood, it's it, it, it you stand better mm. in terms of feeling insecure. But also, you know, it's never too late to have a good childhood. Mm. So, by encouraging each other, by leaders to really think about showing respect, you know, you know, giving positive reinforcement to people to do that in a in an honest way. But to do that, and <clears throat> we we just had a seminar with uh, leaders in Poland and Hungary, and we had this little practice um, where they needed to show each other appreciation. Mm. And it was so hard for them. It was mm-hmm. so Difficult for them. And they said it was very moving. You know, several of them said that they were not used to that. They were so used to point out problems and say, you know, you, you need to do this better. And this was not really good. And this needs to be redone and so on. Instead of giving people you know praise and encouragement and to hear from a call co- they had to say something you know positive about each other and you know these men most of them were you know plus 50 mm. uh, having grown up in you know in, a, in an authoritarian way and, and being to some degree very authoritarian leaders yeah. but to hear a Colleagues say that I really think you are, you know, really good, uh, you know, really good at doing this or when you when you when you gave this presentation, it really made me feel proud of you and proud of the company. I mean, some of them had tears in their eyes. Wow. They were just not used to being appreciated and also, you know, to give. So, they, you know, they felt the importance of hearing nice words about yourself. Mm. And also their, their homework, of course, was now to do this to their teams to mm. show appreciation. And they came back with stories then what had happened. Wow. So I think that it's sort of a vaccination, mm. it, you know. You vaccinate your people against insecurity by making them feel good about themselves. Because then, you know, jealousy and insecurities are going to come. That's part of life, certain situations. I mean, I've been to conferences where I'm going to be a speaker and there the, may be one or two speakers ahead of me and they're absolutely brilliant, excellent. And I say, my goodness, you know, what can I do? What, what do I have to say coming after these people? Mm. You know, that's when insecurity kicks in. Yeah. But then if you have enough, if you've been vaccinated and now you can say, Yes, they were brilliant, and I'm gonna do my very best. That's all I can do. Mm. I'm gonna deliver this talk now and do my my, my very best. Mm. And I sort of have to sort of swallow this insecurity and do what I know I'm good at and I can do. I might not do it as well as the people before me, but you know, I'll do what I my very best, and I have to be content with that. Mm-hmm. So that was a long answer to That's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, No, I think there's so much wisdom there. And I love, I love the idea of starting in childhood, right? And I think about some of my friends now who have young children and I I watch them. They're doing a brilliant job of teaching their kids. Your feelings are your feelings. You don't need to apologize for your feelings. You might need to apologize for your behavior, not your feelings, right? Um, And inviting kids to experience and acknowledge their emotions in a way I certainly was not taught as a mm-hmm. kid and 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 I had yeah, loving parents right but they just didn't yes. have that emotional awareness and mm-hmm. and things so I love seeing it and recognize that probably the vast majority of adults in our current world have not grown up with that mm-hmm. and so yeah. yeah like it's it's not it's not ever too late to never- yeah integrate these ideas and and principles and practices. Um, and and the example you show of you know, times that you've shown up at conferences to speak, again, like I really appreciate hearing, that you have those thoughts too of oh wow those people were really good i don't know that i have anything right because i know i've certainly had those and and yes. it it's very easy to feel alone in like oh i'm the only one here that feels out of place and i'm you know the imposter and the whole imposter syndrome thing but then i love how you say like and and you use the phrase swallow the insecurity you yeah. know and and say nope i'm here i'm going to do my best i'm going to show up there's there's again so many opportunities in in day to day life to show yes. up and do that. Yes, and and the power of affirming each other. Yes, right. And and these leaders and and I I think it's interesting culturally because there are some cultures that really do focus on only the negative and things that need yeah. to be corrected. Yes, and it's incredible to hear the impact and the the powerful uh, space that can be created when
1: Mm -hmm. we're intentional about Mm -hmm. authentically affirming each other. Yes. Yes. It's it's, it's really a a mindset. It's something that you can train yourself to do in starting to say, I mean, genuine things, but still saying it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I have sort of become better at that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can now I mean, not a while ago, I was on the bus and there was a lady across from me and she had such a beautiful dress on. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I love that dress. And I I said it to her, I said, I really like your dress. And she smiled and said, oh, thank you. And, you know, I mean, five years ago, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have done that. I've just thought to myself, what a lovely dress. Mm. But I have become better at saying things like that, even to random people on a bus. Mm. And it, it it makes a difference. Well, I imagine, I mean, if I were that person and some stranger
0: compliments me on my dress, I'm yes. going to stand up a little straighter. I'm going to feel more yeah. confident going into my yes. day and just be like, oh, wow, yes. I, I look yes. good today. I like this dress yes. too, right? And so yes. what a gift you give in that moment, making yes. life less difficult perhaps yes. for this woman. Yes. I, you don't know what's going on for her, but I, yeah, that's-
1: yeah it's lovely yeah and you know i mean giving is getting Mm. you know it makes you feel good Mm. and it's like you know we also talk about about these random acts of kindness Mm -hmm. which are so powerful uh you know and the kindness it, it i mean it makes the other person feel good but it makes probably makes you feel even better yeah and there's, there's also a little story. A while ago, I was visiting. It was in the in the states. I and my um, my uh, 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 my son's wife. I don't know what's the what's the name. What's she's my daughter. Uh, daughter she's your daughter-in-law. My daughter-in-law. Right. Mm-hmm. We went. We were in the car. We we we, we went to Starbucks. You know, drive-in Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And we ordered two. You know, cafe lattes. And then we came up to pay and the the person uh, you know um, at at starbucks said you know the car ahead of you paid for your coffees ah and we said what <laughs> yes she said she wanted to pay for your coffees that is awesome and we were so, i mean that was just an act you know a random act of kindness that made us feel so good see i'm telling you i've told dozens of people <laughs> <laughs> of this situation <laughs> So, you know, little acts of random acts of kindness are... Very important, and if you had that feeling yourself, you want to give back. So Susan, when she went to Starbucks the next time, she said, "I will pay for the coffee of the car behind me." That is beautiful. <laughs> See, it's contagious. Mm. It's contagious. Mm.
0: Yeah. You no, know, and it, it makes me think. Um, I was just having this conversation last evening with some friends, where there's so much negativity in the headlines and the news and it seems like we're attracted to that and i i'm i'm trying to respectfully push back when people are just like oh everything is so terrible because it's like well there's so much good happening and and it's not there's not right there's plenty of room for improvement there's plenty of bad things that are happening too so i don't want to like take away from that and yet I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that this because I I find I can really get drained emotionally when I am feeling overwhelmed by the negative things that then I don't have the energy to even notice the small random acts of kindness that I can do in my life to make it a little bit better place even in my small, you know, sphere, but I don't know what your thoughts are on trying to to balance that um reality and and the fact that, yes, there are a lot of really terrible, heavy things happening, and there's so much good happening, too,
1: yeah you know for me, <clears throat> what 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 works for me is I think about the big life and the little life. Mm. And the big life, of course, is what's happening around us. And I mean, I was also for a while so down, you know, watching, uh, you know, the scenes from Ukraine and what's happening there and there are so many terrible things happening in the world the climate crisis you know the now the, the the recession probably coming on now and the war and you know the violence in the streets the shootings i mean it's so easy to get so bogged down and depressed about that and i think to yeah. some degree we need to sort of you know, also be able to feel you know the horror of what's going on but at the same time, you know, we also have, and, but we cannot do much about that. We cannot really change that or do, we can contribute to, you know, a small degree, but on the whole, we cannot do much about that. But then, you know, I think about my little life and my little life is sort of my situation with my home and my friends and my relatives and my work. And and most of that is going really, you know, really well. And I love it my little life so I've sort of decided consciously that I need to to yeah I need to take in the big life and be aware and you know what's what's happening and following the news and all that but I also it's not wrong I don't feel bad about also focusing on my little life and working Mm -hmm. on that to making that as good as possible and enjoy uh, you know dinner with friends or you know a good conversation with with my partner or whatever, or buying a new dress or you know whatever it is to sort of allow myself to enjoy my little life because that gives me strength, it gives yeah. me strength also to to sort of deal better with the big life and what's happening out
0: there. It's such a beautiful picture. and i I. I think it's several years ago that you first shared Mm -hmm. this concept of the big life Mm -hmm. and the little life with me. And it's been really influential for me. It's been extremely helpful Mm -hmm. in recognizing when I am feeling overwhelmed by the big life because it can be overwhelming. And I love what you said here at the end that, that focus on the little life gives you strength Mm -hmm. And it takes me back to the beginning of our conversation, where you are identifying, you know, making life less difficult for others, and the the self awareness piece. When you are making sure you're taking care of your own life, then you can show up for others mm-hmm. um, more effectively. And so, it really um, there's some paradox there, um, but it, but it does seem like it's it's an important skill. To develop to be able to separate and and acknowledge the big life and the little life and find ways to um, take care of ourselves in in our little life so that we yes. can perhaps have a positive influence in the bigger in the bigger things.
1: Yes, and it you know on an airplane for the the um, oxygen masks they they say put it on yourself first before you give it to your child or put it on others, mm. and I think that's a good you know sort of you know it's 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 a it's a picture that you need to in order to to be good with others and take care of others you need to take care of yourself and that's why at times you need to do things that you know are good for you i mean i sometimes go to the movies i haven't now for a long time but i And I can go by myself because I know, and and, and at times I don't really feel like going, but I know that if I go to a movie and I see a good film, it will make me feel better Mm. and give me strength. So, you know, to do things for yourself, be it taking a walk or, you know, I don't know, buying something or going out for dinner, whatever it is that you know, it's going to help you to feel better. And if you feel better, you have more strength and energy to make other people feel better. So that's why, you know, we started with that quote, you know, where you, the the first part is sort of looking at your own life and the, and then the other part is, you know, making life easier for others that really, you know, connects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, Take care of yourself, it's very difficult. You cannot uh, demand of yourself that you're gonna take care of other people. Yeah. So you come first from that perspective. Not in a selfish, you know, egoistical kind of way, but just but also, you know, I mean it also again, we're back to basics in terms of, you know, our physiology and how our brains work. Mm. That if you're exhausted, you know, tired, angry, disappointed. You know, I mean how how do you come across to others? What do you have to give to others?
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. so, you know, working on your being aware. And it's 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 the awareness, self-awareness is key. And we also know that when we look at success people, successful people in so many different professions of the EQ skills, there are 15 EQ skills that we look at, but self-awareness usually comes at the top of the list. That's where it starts. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. And that really stands out as you're describing ways that you have learned about yourself to take care of yourself, to give yourself strength. And I think it is um, foundational coming back to the emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. skills Mm -hmm. and we're not all brought up to pay attention no. to what's going on for ourselves, and I—it's been an interesting journey for me as I've learned about emotional intelligence and um, worked to develop these skills in my own life to realize that I was really actively taught to not pay attention to myself yes. for for seemingly good causes. It like it wasn't nefarious that I was taught this, but it, but nonetheless, like this was. I've had to like unwind and and unlearn some of this that it isn't
1: selfish mm-hmm.
0: to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. It is and and it's not selfish to pay attention to myself mm. and my feelings and my emotions and my mm-hmm. needs. Um and I think it and again culturally I find this different cultures like it it can be a very difficult um shift yes. in mindset. Yes to, to, to learn to, okay, it's okay to take care of myself. It's okay to pay attention, to have, even just to have that Mm
1: self-awareness. I think that's so, so true. I think maybe most of us didn't grow up with this awareness. And also, you know, we talked about selfishness and don't think about yourself. You need to think about other people and who are you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, to think that you deserve this or, 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 you know, that's so selfish to do this for yourself. So, yes, we mm-hmm. have many of us have grown up with that. Yeah. But but again, you know, it's back to science and back to how we are are, are wired and how, how we, we function as individuals and humans. So yes, you do need to sort of refuel emotionally yourself in order to be able to give to others. But this is a a great dilemma, great dilemma. And for people, you know, balancing demanding work and and children at home, and, you know, they want to have a beautiful home. And, you know, I mean, there's so many demands that people perceive, which is, you know, also the the reason for all the, the people, you know, the burnout that we see and the stress reactions. And the, and the yeah. psychiatric, you know, symptoms in terms of anxiety and, you know, panic attacks and, and depression and and, and and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. So it is, um, and again, you know, you need to learn to walk the talk. Just knowing it theoretically is, it's a start, but it doesn't really change anything. You need to sort of really, you know, be aware of the impact on yourself and also your impact on, on other people. Yeah. yeah. And it, it strikes me that if someone's listening, I'll just, I'll,
0: I'll make this pitch that to start one small way to start making that positive difference is being intentional about affirming those around us. Yes. Both in personal and professional settings. I, um, there's, I don't know, something going on for me that that really stands out of, this this can be a small step in the right direction Absolutely. that can make a difference for both. Like you said, the giving is the getting mm-hmm. and, and it actually makes us feel good. I feel so much better if I'm affirming someone versus talking behind their back yes. or, you know, thinking negative thoughts about mm-hmm. them. I don't feel good when I'm thinking mm-hmm. that way. And so to recognize it is actually helping myself. Yes. To affirm Mm -hmm. someone else, and it's it's benefiting them too. I think that can be a really simple, practical start. Here, if everybody could just start here, I feel like we could move in
1: in a positive direction. Absolutely, and you know, give yourself the task of saying, you know, two or maybe three affirmative things every day. It's not a lot, but if you if you if you're honest with yourself, how frequently do you actually do that today? I think, you know, for most of us, the days go by without us really saying anything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, you know, nice to another person. And it is so easy mm-hmm. to do that.
0: Even even for not just the people that it's hard to do it for, but for the people that we love yes. and care dearly yes. for, we can forget. Yes. to. I, I know I can forget yes. to do that. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, Margarita, as we... Um, as we look to wrap up this conversation, one of the things that really stands out to me is your passion. I mean, I've known you for about 10 years. You you could have retired and left all of the work to others long ago, and you have very intentionally kept yourself active in your businesses, in the work of emotional intelligence. And I'd love to hear you say a little bit about what, what has kept you in this work, what has kept your passion alive? Um, I know sometimes, and I ask this a little selfishly because I, I sometimes find myself getting tired and exhausted, and not seeing the changes and the positive um, momentum as much as I would like to. And so, I ask from that perspective of you know just hearing your journey and. Um, Hopefully, absorbing some inspiration <laughs> and strength for for my own yeah. journey as well. But it is very admirable the work that you've been doing over a long period of time, and and you are continually actively choosing to do voluntarily yes. at this point in yes. your life. Yes,
1: yes. I, you know, I'm working on 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 uh, on on overtime for sure. I could have retired, you know, ten years ago go. But, and also I'm a person who likes change. You know, I mean, I started as a child psychologist and I've done many different things through my career. But when I learned about emotional intelligence and started to practice it, it became, you know, it became so important to me. I I felt, and I still feel Lisa, this is the key to peace in the world. <laughs> believe that. And the UN had a conference, you know, in, two years ago, a whole day on emotional intelligence as a key wow. for improving relationships between countries. Wow. So I feel that the power of EQ really is on that level. It has the potential of making a better world. Mm. But, you know, what's driving me is, of course, the, the work with individuals and with companies and organizations that we do around the world and having worked in I think some 30 countries or so and becoming very close to these executives and leaders that I met, even if we only have an hour. and that hour then is spent doing a debrief on their EQI. They have you know responded to these questions and we've analyzed the, their um, answers and produced a, a report with an EQ profile. And we sit down for an hour and we discuss that profile with that person. And I have done that, I must have done that with thousands of people now in so many countries with some really high top level people. And I've come to learn that even though you know we're different, we're also all the same. We're all the same. And you know, these EQ skills are vital. Whether you live in a you know a village in Africa or in Manhattan or in Stockholm or or anywhere, they are vital. And there is so much power in changing our behaviors and becoming more emotionally intelligent. There is so much to gain. On a personal level, in terms of your relationships, on a professional level, in terms of your work and your performance, and also for companies, on a company level of doing better, becoming larger, growing, becoming more profitable. I've seen this over and over and over again, Lisa. So I'm absolutely convinced that each and every one of us has this inside of us. I mean, it's there. It's just a matter of making, you know, awareness and understanding and teaching people the skills or helping people to develop their skills, I should say. So, yes, I am as passionate, maybe even more. <laughs> you know, we've had such wonderful projects that we worked with. One recent project, big international companies, where we the goal is to change the company culture into an EQ culture. And we've mm. worked with them now for a year and a half. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, the company's changing and they're doing better than ever. And it's that's people are changing. Beautiful. So, you know, it can be done. And that's that's what really drives me and giving me such immense pleasure. Mm. So well, you are an inspiration, Margaret. <laughs> I'm so grateful.
0: No, I, I really mean it. I mean, I, I'm I'm really grateful that our paths crossed um a decade ago yeah. and have continued to cross over the years. I've learned so much from you and working with you and um, the others on your team and just count it a real um, significant part of my life, um, both professionally and personally. Uh, And again, over the last decade, which has been the part of my life where I started to move internationally and um, lots of transition and um, lots of difficult times. And and you are one of those people that stand out as helping make make life less difficult. And I'm really, really grateful. And I know that countless people could um, could point to you and the work that you and your companies do um, with emotional intelligence. So I'm really grateful. Well, thank
1: you, Lisa.